Hey guys, welcome back to episode 20 of Working Comic Podcast. Austin Nasso here. I have a very interesting guest today. Um, I'm going to read off his bio because he's done a lot of impressive things. So here we go. Uh, Alex Hooper was sculpted in Baltimore, Maryland. As a troubled weirdo, he tried on many hats before realizing only comedy could tame his hair. On stage, he is known for his clever writing Fearless style, rampant energy, and sickeningly positive attitude. He's appeared on America's Got Talent, Comedy Central, uh, Roast Battle 2, and Corporate, Fox's New Girl, TV Land, Nickelodeon, and most importantly, The Bad Girls Club. His 2018 album Hugs, Drugs, Pugs hit number one on Amazon and number three on iTunes bestselling comedy records. Also in 2018, his yoga, or sorry, his pug yoga calendar was featured on The Ellen Show. Funnier Die named him one of the 15 funniest comics to follow. Good Deed seats include him in their list of the 40 best up-and-coming comedians. He also created Crave, a unique comedy and dance party experience, named one of LA Weekly's best of 2013. Crave has always also been recognized by the LA Times and Thrillist. Uh, this is a really exciting interview where we dive into a lot of the things that I just mentioned. So, without further ado, please enjoy. So, hey guys, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. I'm here with Alex Hooper, a very funny comic. What's up, Alex? How's it going, man? It is wonderful. I am sitting out here in the park in beautiful, sunny California. Okay, I guess I'll go. I'll give my location, too. I'm in a room at the mirage uh in my underwear and i just worked out and uh Ooh. yes yeah, that... i think these are all important details for the audience to know to really picture you know where you know where we are and what we're what are what we're doing yeah i think it's it's important i'm here for a a business trip for my company that is Ooh, why I'm, I'm here i'm in the park because i was just slacklining really I was in the park slacklining. That's pretty it's like, cool. It's like, yeah, it's like tightrope walking. It's uh, Yeah, that's I hard. Yeah, I do it a couple times a week. I love it. There's like a huge like slacklining community, right? Yeah, there is. I find people everywhere I go. I take it on the road with me and just meet people. That's so interesting. Like, I don't know. Sorry, this is kind of going on a tangent, but I like um, when I would go to Santa Monica, I know there's like the acro yoga communities and like the rings communities and a slack line community it's just so yeah. interesting how there's just communities for literally every activity yes very much so if, if you do some kind of weird sport if that's what you want to call it uh you, you are home in southern california everyone here does something weird how did you get into slacklining uh I, I tried to do it at a music festival and uh <laughs> just really couldn't do it at all and just kind of became obsessed with the idea of it and then my friend uh bought one and started playing on his and then i just fell in love with it keeps me it keeps me very focused that's great so yeah is that why you do it actually like just for focus i mean it's fun it's uh it's addictive because you just get exponentially uh better at it your progression improves every single time and uh, it gets me outside. There's a million reasons why I do it, but that's pretty cool. Reasons. Yeah, I love it. What's... I ate shit. I ate shit today on it. I'm gonna post the video on my Instagram. So if you go to my Instagram at the end of this, which I'm sure I'll be tagging, uh, you will see me eat shit today. Ooh, okay. 
we will um, be sure to check that out. I'm, I'm plugging things before they even Yeah, happen. you're like, <laughs> watch me eat shit on my Instagram. It will soon Here be posted. Yeah, you have to do a promo for the post. So that's cool. Are you part of any other, like, eclectic communities? Other, uh, other than go, comedy, because we'll get to the I go, I go to a ton of music festivals. Uh, I love, I go, I go to, like, at least, like, four to six a year. Um, a lot of that stuff. A lot of just going out, putting on silly costumes, and running around a desert somewhere. Whoa. Like Burning Man kind of thing? Uh, I'm doing, yeah, I'm going to Burning Man this year for the first time. I've been building up to that one. That's been a long time coming. Uh, but I'm going to that next month. Whoa. That's going to be yeah. an experience. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm going to, uh, no matter how many things people can tell me, I know that I won't know until, I won't really know what it is until I get there. Yeah, I really don't get like. So, what do you mean building up to? I know Burning Man's like intense, but I don't oh, know yeah. what it entails. It's, like, eight, it's eight days in the desert where you have to be fully reliant on yourself to survive. So there's no, you can't buy anything out there. You know, it's all it's all up to you to just bring everything. Wow. But then there's also just a lot of intense emotion that goes into it of just uh, being in some, um, you know, just a lot of community situations a lot of uh there's a lot of love floating around there's a lot of uh empathy and a lot of people you know have serious breakthroughs there and like you know there's a lot of uh you can kind of get whatever you want out of it that's kind of the beautiful part of it that's interesting so is it like an eight day self-sustaining village kind of thing Uh, it's a dude yeah it's more than a village it's like a city i mean it's like a hundred thousand people there um with hundreds of massive art installations and just like crazy things everywhere you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's really, it's like, it's kind of like the height of human ingenuity. That's so interesting. And then uh, I imagine, is it like, uh, like an ayahuasca kind of thing too, or is that just totally, you do that separate? No, that would be a more than likely a separate experience. I don't know. If, I don't know if people would do that there or not. Cause that's like, I mean, I guess you could, I'm sure. Actually, people do everything there. I'm sure that happens. Interesting. Well, that, well that'll be a cool experience. And I'd yeah. Love to hear no, about no, that. I mean, no matter what, it's going to be awesome. So. Cool. So. I try, I try to do all the fun things, man. I just try to have fun all the time. That's like, if you're not having fun, what are you doing? That's, that's a great, like, just perspective on life. I mean, are you always, like, I mean, it seems like you're always kind of, like, challenging yourself to do, like, out of your comfort zone experiences. Kind of uh, for sure. I try to follow uh, my weirdness and just not be afraid of silly ideas. And, you know, if, if it's funny in my head, then I'll try it and see if it's funny to other people. And sometimes it is. And sometimes it isn't. And that's OK, too. That's awesome. What, what would be a, a good example of that that you've done? My pug yoga calendar that I made last year. I, uh, I literally just made a calendar, a 12 month calendar of my pug and I doing yoga all over Los Angeles. And (laughs) it was just, it was one of the silliest ideas I've ever had. And enough people talked me into it to doing it. And then I followed through with it and, uh, we made a small run, but we sold out and it ended up going on the Ellen show. No way. Yeah. On January 2nd of this year, she was holding up three weird calendars you could buy for the year. And mine was the first one she held up. She's like, man, just holding up the pug yoga calendar with me just shirtless in, le- in leggings doing a bow pose with my dog balanced on me. 
That's insane. Yeah, it, it was just one of those moments where you just go, you know what? Just follow your ideas and just complete things. Just finish things. That's one of the most important parts of this is just finishing. Um, there's a really there's a, a wonderful podcast where uh, this guy named Seth Godin, it's called Quieting the Lizard Brain, and it's all about how an artist's job, it is to create, but more so, it's to ship. We have to ship products, things for our fans to hold, to feel, to listen to, to watch, to touch, whatever, you know? I love Seth and, Godin. I think yeah, he's great. Seth, you met him? No, no, I don't know him. I, I, I just love his stuff. Like, I read that, um, the book, it's like, uh, like, I don't know, something like now is your chance. Like, you know what I'm talking about? It has very, I, like, I don't, that's actually the only thing I know by him. Cause a friend of mine gave that to me a long time ago. And to be honest, I never looked him up further. I was like, I got what I need out of you, Seth Godin. Yeah, he's great. Oh, I believe it. I should probably deep dive a little bit more into it. I'd probably get even more out of it. Oh yeah. But sorry, continue what you're saying. No, but that's the thing. And so like, it just made me say I need to finish things. And so last year I committed to making that calendar and I committed to making a stand-up album and I made sure that I finished both of them and then both of, and then great things happened just because I followed through and finished it. You know, I think we leave a lot of things unfinished. We come up with an idea and then we go for it for a little bit. It gets too hard or we get bored and then we abandon it. That's so, so true. I, I don't know if it's a thing with creative people or what, but I know for sure I always start things and have a, a hard time like just finishing things. I have because like 10 unfinished books that I started. I think, a, I think a lot of times the idea that we did it, that we had it at all is enough for us to be like, well, why do I need to finish it? That's a cool idea. Like that's it there. I had the idea that feels just as good. And it doesn't like you like i used to always say it this, like ah oh, that's a good idea i'll just you know just i don't know, probably do nothing with it or use it for a very silly joke and that's it but when i actually commit to doing things a lot of great things happen that's awesome i think that's really uh, great advice for people to just follow through and yeah you had great results from just following through i mean the, okay. the two examples you mentioned, one was on the Ellen Show, and then the other was just like a best-selling iTunes comedy album and Amazon. Yeah, I mean, which I was very fortunate uh, to, you know, have to, for that to be embraced the way it did. I have so many, I have so many really good friends that uh, are just so supportive of everything I do, and they tell a bunch of people, and then other people, you know, and the, just the chain reaction of how people find me is great and a lot of it is just because i i just know so many incredible people that you know want me to succeed luckily and i part of that is just me just being a good person overall just being loving and fun and you know if you're someone people want to be around they'll want you to succeed that's awesome uh how, what went into uh creating that comedy album oh man i mean i just uh i i I wrote out every single joke I have like on note cards. Like I just wrote out the premises and just figuring out how to organize it perfectly. So it was one hour that was cohesive. Uh, so you never felt like anything jumped too much. Uh, I really wanted it to flow really well. So that took a lot of work. I went on the road as much as I could and just did hours in, in every, shithole bar and back alley wherever I could do it you know I was doing an hour for like 10 to 12 people sometimes which is 
excruciating. That's hard. Uh, when, you're trying, when you're trying to run something, it just lasts forever. Um, still super fun, but it's yeah, it's hard. But then, uh, you know, want, deciding what artwork I wanted, um, getting a label behind it. I started reaching out to different labels to see if anybody wanted to pick it up. And then I got picked up by a special thing. Um, and they were fantastic to work with. And so just little by little, just chipping away at every piece of it. And just always in the back of my mind was like, Pug Yoke calendar or album. Can I be doing something for either one of these right now? That's so cool. So for your album, I mean, well, one, how does the album differ from just like a comedy special that you release on like Netflix um, or something? Well, like, I mean, as much as it seems like you can just get a Netflix special these days, we all know we just can't. That's not the case. Uh, so I knew I'm, I'm not at a level where anyone's going to give me a special yet. And I could have taped something and self-release it. But I think listening to something is so much easier than watching something because if i tell you i made a stand-up album next time you have an hour-long drive you can just put it on and then you'll finish it and then you can decide to never listen to it again but at least you did it yeah it's just more accessible like in those drives and and like stuff like that and i think it was just better for me at the time it just made more sense for me to make an album than it did an actual special so the idea of just listening to something and imagining it feeling that you're feeling like you're there. I think albums make you feel like you're there more than a special does. That's interesting. I mean, you know what I was just thinking about, like in an album, there's a whole dimension that you kind of can't do jokes in. And that's like body language stuff and like physical act outs. Like, how does that work? You can, um, but you need to make sure that it's not like, the punchline like that's the only that's the only difference is you can you can do act outs because i'm pretty energetic when i'm really like going hard but that's the main thing is it it cannot be the punchline can't be some facial expression you know that that won't work but if it's if you're i mean you should still be moving and shifting throughout how about whatever you do normally is what you should do that's cool so that's kind of like the minor constraint just like punchlines should just be verbal because it's an album yeah but people will imagine what you're doing too a lot of times and and almost like they'll figure it out even if you're doing something a little abstract like their mind will take it somewhere and they will decide what you're doing that's very true people can fill in the gaps usually yeah exactly so you don't need to give them every single piece sweet well that's really impressive i mean did you like I'm just like trying to understand, like, I guess what, what, what is the process like? So like, obviously from a creative standpoint, like you're figuring out your hour and what it is, um, and like working at, at a different bars and like clubs, like everywhere you can, but the actual release process, did you have someone help you with it? Like, yeah, well, that was the benefit of doing it through a late is getting a label behind it because they, they had, you know, they were the ones that recorded it. They mixed it. They broke it all down. They put it on all iTunes, Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. They did all that stuff. Uh, so had a release date. And then as soon as that date happened, boom, it all just goes out there like as like magic. That's awesome. So you focus on the art. They focus on the business. Yeah, very, very much. Which is so. how probably it should be. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I just uh, I you know I listened to it a bunch of times to just figure out like I didn't cut anything. There were a couple uh, there were a couple word stutters of sentences that I just started over, 
uh, just because I flustered in the middle of it and I just did a quick, so I, I made a couple of those cuts, but other than that, I didn't cut anything from the album. I just kept the hour as it was. Oh, that's just, awesome. Just said, this was the show. Here it is. Great. Uh, yeah. So like, I guess, um, how'd you go about getting like a label? to help you out with that stuff. I guess your friends kind of, I just started emailing labels that I had seen friends of mine work with. Uh, I found, I, I would pay attention to who uh, did their, who, uh, people, who people used. And then I would just literally just email them through their website and just say, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And this is what I'm about to do. And that's awesome. Just, see if anyone wanted to get on board and i didn't even realize that's it's so good to ask for things because the people from a special thing knew me and i didn't even realize that they knew me from another show that they produce and i didn't even think about it and uh so i literally just walked they said yeah let's meet up and they just said so do you want to do it uh wow that's so cool yeah and just be, and you know just because i asked it, it's really if you're if you feel you're ready for something and you're right for something, you should always ask for it. It's very hard. It's very difficult to get over, but in the end, it really will help. That's, that's great. That's a great message. Yeah, um, people that ask for things, get things. It's not that you're not good. It's that you're out of sight, out of mind. There's too many of us. I agree. And I think a lot of people are afraid to kind of reach out and ask and they feel like it's stigmatized a lot. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like even in the comedy scene, um, it's stigmatized in a way because a lot of comics that I've met are like, yeah, you have to be like good enough for people to reach out to you. But like, I don't really believe in that kind of. But they will. The thing is that people will reach out to you as well. But, you know, I double the amount of shows I have because I ask for things. Yeah. So I get like half of them are just given are just given to me. And then the other half I have asked for. Exactly. And so. Yeah. I do. You, yeah, you could do half the amount of shows if you want to, but I'd rather just ask, you know? Because, again, it's not asking for things that you're not ready for. Exactly. It's not like a stretch. Like, you're pushing someone out of their comfort zone. It's like you're ready. So if it, yeah. if it is really a win-win situation, then you're just putting yourself in front of them. Yeah, no one's ever going to get mad because you sent them a message. Yeah. So do you have – um? Do you have people that help you out, like um, like an agent or something, or managers that help you out with that kind of stuff as well? Because I noticed uh, that a lot of comics, are like that have managers or agents, like kind of delegate asking to them. I uh, do not currently have a manager, uh, although I have a meeting next week with somebody, and I probably and uh, anyway, but I don't <laughs> have all the work myself. Uh, for the most part, I've had people help me along the way. Um, I had a commercial agent for a while, but everything else uh, I got just just by grinding my butt off. That's and awesome. Just, I like that. Just being a sweet little boy who people want to work with. That's great. I mean, I think that's just like makes you better, like more well-rounded because like that that is the job of an agent pretty much. Like, yeah, and then it just it's made me learn how to do it all by myself so that when I am working with someone else, I will already know the moves that I need to make and they will just be able to push me that in that further direction. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. So let's go back a little bit. How did you uh, first get into the whole comedy game? You know, I watched some really bad stand-up one night. 
I watched some really bad stand-up at the comedy store and didn't know I was at a bringer show. I was watching my friend and uh, so everyone on the show pretty much was an amateur and I thought like this is who performs at the comedy store like I think I'm funnier than this so I literally told my friend I was like dude I want to do this uh, he'd been trying to push me into it for a while and that was it was the first time I did a set it was game over and what's better is I did a bringer show two weeks later I was like I'm funnier than this let me get on the same show. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> that's how I started too doing the bringer shows yeah, I mean, if nobody tells you any differently, you don't you don't know. No clue, no idea. I thought I'm like, because I did it in um, I took a comedy class at uh, Gotham Comedy Club. It was like yeah. the New York School of Comedy. I don't know. There was this dude who, um, he's just like, yeah, four hundred dollars for a class, and you go in like once a week, and you you do like two minutes of material or whatever, and um, I don't know. I thought. It was, it was it was interesting. So yeah, you get you literally go in once a week, do literally two minutes, and then there'd be eighteen people in the classroom, and they'd all give you criticism, and they're all like they've never done comedy in their lives. Nobody know nobody knows what anyone is doing, and everyone's just telling people what they think. Yeah, it was just chaos, and I'm like, oh, I guess this is how it is. And the uh, the dude who ran the classes is like, don't go to open mics, you're not ready. And it was just like this weird like scam of like we're just paying money to like get criticism by people that don't know anything. And then yep. we did a class show at Gotham. Oh, yeah, that's how they get you. They're like, perform at a real comedy club. Come on in. Yeah, they're like it's show business, come on. You're gonna be a star. And then uh, you go perform and it was a bringer show. Way. The third show I ever did was like I did a bringer show there, and uh, Jim Gaffigan went up right before me. Yep, and then those people will be like, "Well, at least we saw Jim Gaffigan." Yeah, dude, that was bad. That was a bad time. My set yep. was really not funny. Uh yeah, dude, you were it was your third time. It was it was like just it couldn't have been a worse set. Like how could just like the third set or like yeah third time ever doing a big show like that. And then right after Jim Gaffigan, it was just like, yeah, what? Um, but yeah, it seems like the bringers are really common. Uh, I, I think I did. Are you talking about the probably you're probably referring to the those belly room bringer shows? Yeah. By um, what's that guy? He's like the human cartoon or something. The uh, human cartoon. That's what I call myself. Is there someone else calling himself that? I mean, I'm sure there is. That's not. There's a, the dude that not... ran the. The belly room, he calls himself the human cartoon. I don't know what, I forgot his name, but. That's a big compliment. I like human cartoons. Yeah, human cartoons. Too bad he's a bringer bringer producer because I'd probably really like him. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so after the bringer shows, what was the the next step in the, where were you also at this time? Los Angeles. I started in LA. Oh, you did? Yeah, I started out here. I moved out here to act and then I uh, started doing comedy a few months later. Um, when was this? What's that? When was, uh, was this? I started March 9th, 2009. Wow. Yep. Damn. Got to know the day. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know when my girlfriend and I got together, but I know that day. So. <laughs> um, yeah, but then you just, you know, you just start meeting people and you just start going to open mics and getting on small bar shows and like other shows that your friends are producing and then just 
trying to write as much as you can and go up as much as you can and just learn, figure out how the hell this thing works and how you do it. Um, just, there's just so many paths now, you know, you could, you can do so many things, but I just, for me, I just wanted to get really good at stand up. So I just pounded the pavement as hard as I could and just, just, I watched as much as I could. I listened as much as I could. I did, you know, I was, I'd be a good audience member at an open mic. That's great. That's rare for com- comedians. Yeah, I mean, not always. People are going to listen to that and go, no, you weren't. And I was like, okay, so most of the time I try to be. That, that's good. I mean, uh, that's interesting. Starting in L.A. is, uh, it seems hard and daunting. And I mean, I guess I'm basically going to be in that boat because basically going to be starting in L.A. in a way, even though I've been doing it for a few years. But, like... There's a question I ask a lot of people that have been doing comedy in LA for a long time. It just seems so intimidating. How do you find, uh, you know, quality stage time at these mics where people aren't listening? You you make them listen. You give them a reason to listen. People will listen if you make them. Like if you you know if you're doing really good stuff, people will listen. So go in there and fight. Go in there and don't give up and just don't throw away bits like go in the have like write and then go in there with actual premises and punchlines don't just go up and hit the stage and hope that it's all going to work itself out because it usually won't so go up there and just and just do it and 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 do it because it's fun don't do it because you're trying to like prove anything to anyone just go do it because it's fun and then you'll and then you'll just continually get better at it because you love it that's true that's great how how long were you just straight grinding at open mics before your next i guess steps whatever that might be i still i still do open mics like not nearly as much as i used to but i still do um luckily that's given way to a lot more shows but um i guess i mean then you just start you start asking like going to better bigger and better shows and um uh how i really uh I started doing I started doing roast battle at the comedy store and that got me in there and I started doing a lot more stuff there, um, and then just I don't know the answer is just like I'm just like thinking in my head is like what do I do I just go do stand up so I did everything I yeah yeah I just go do stand up and then every once in a while I act in a thing and then sometimes I make a calendar and sometimes I get on you know TV for something and just ran as long as you're kind and you're funny and you work hard eventually things will just happen because enough people have seen you and enough people know you to give you opportunities for things interesting yeah that's i think that's like the main reason to be in la of all places to start that just that's what makes the most sense to me because like you can obviously get that in another scene like the same thing like you're integrated in a scene and people are helping you out and you're like a cool guy that people like and respect, but I think LA, the sky's more the limit there with where you can yeah, go. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with also like get, getting really good and becoming the king of a smaller scene because people talk, you know, people know who like the top dogs in every city are. So that's not, it's not a bad thing either to like get really good somewhere else and then come to LA when you got a little heat under you. So there's really, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. People tell me I'm crazy for starting in LA. Well, nobody told me not to. And it did make me watch a lot of better people and get better faster because I was on shows with pros and I was like, well, I better be good tonight. So I gave a shit, you know? Yeah, because you're like training with the big dog, so you have to step it up. 
Yeah, exactly. That's that's scary stuff when you're when you're like like that Gaffigan situation. You're like, oh fuck me, dude. Yeah. Like there's just you know you know no matter what you do, you are gonna look so unpolished next to him. There's nothing you could have done in that moment to not like just because he's such a pro. Yeah, exactly. Like he would have made he would have made you know like good comics not look as good. Yeah, of so, course. So someone that's brand new, yeah, but it makes you get better. It does. It, it probably you know it makes you step on the gas a little harder. I like that. I mean, it's like if you're gonna go, I don't know, to the gym for example, you're not gonna. If you're just working out with people that are like the same as you, it's gonna be harder to get better than if you're going with people that are just stronger than you. Yeah, it's like exactly. Just that kind of thing. You always, dude, you always got to push yourself. That's like, I mean, that's part of like why I love slacklining too, is because I'm constantly, I'm constantly having to push myself a little bit further. Um, and it's just the same with comedy. You should always be, you should always be like a little bit like scared of what you're doing or really just at least really excited about it to the point where, you know, you don't know how it's always going to go, but you should be pushing your boundaries always. Yeah, I love that. That, I mean, I'm all about pushing my boundaries, but like, I don't know. Lately, I feel like I've been wanting to make some sort of funny like video content. I have a YouTube channel currently that has a lot of videos, but I'm trying to. I've got become like really like infatuated with this idea of like, I don't know, just putting some content out there that really excites me because I like to do. Well, that, yeah, dude, that's shipping. You make content, and then you put it out there. Yeah. And I love to do impressions. I love to do characters. and But I'm still, like, for some reason, I don't know why. I just, like, I always get blocked. And I just never end up posting something. Or, like, or no, I always, like, what's the right thing to post? What do I make? Uh, I have so many ideas, but I, like, don't even know. You, like, dude, get what? over yourself. That's all I can tell you. you got to get over it. Like, any, the answer to writer's block is to just write just start writing things the answer to anything you just have to finish things you got to get out of your own head about it like you have to accept that what you made is good enough and that you're ready to put it out there so you can move on to the next thing otherwise you'll just live in this limbo period where you have a million half-finished projects because you don't believe in any of them that's true it's just like it's so easy to get in your head about like your content and then you just never do it yeah well that's just you know just do it it's just yeah. it's that stupid like it's just just like the shia labeouf and i'm not perfect or anything there's so many things that i tell myself to do and i've never done it and i continually think about it every day and i still don't do it it's like a to-do list thing that's just like hanging in the back of your mind and you're just like why am i not doing this yeah i mean a lot of times because i'm working on something else but a lot of other times just because i'm being a lazy bitch so you know, I fall into the same categories as everybody else. Eventually, you're just not going to want to do your even your favorite ideas. The work is daunting, and it just you know seems easier to go to an open mic every night. But in the end, you got to ask yourself what you really want to put out there. Yeah, that's true, and I feel like it's really easy to um, you know fall into a rut of like doing a routine every night and thinking that like, hey, I'm still doing comedy. It's okay even though you might actually be neglecting something bigger and you're kind of just falling into a comfort zone. Yeah, that's true. Because I have friends where they'll be like, I have to hit this mic every night, and it's like they're passing up a better opportunity just to, like, 
say that they're doing a mic every night or something. It gets addicting because that's where all your friends are, you know. Like you go, it's not—it's not even just doing comedy; it's the social aspect of it. Like you're like, oh, I'm gonna go see a bunch of people I know, and we're gonna go hang out and drink beer and smoke weed and write jokes, whatever we're gonna do, you know. So it becomes difficult to say, well, I'm gonna stay home and write this pilot that I think could really help me in the end when I could be out with my friends, you know. That part is, it takes a lot of discipline. It's true. It's like the FOMO kind of thing. Um, Cool. Well, I want to talk about, um, I actually, the way I found you was I was just watching America's Got Talent and there you were. You couldn't admit that to people. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a joke, dude. Dude, that was, that was great. I like that. Uh, th- thank you. I, I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, it, was, uh, it was an absolutely insane experience uh from front to back how like what how what was that oh like was that character i'm so like what happened Um, (laughs) like so so i do this i I do i run around as that character at festivals and it's just one of my costumes and i get with and i I do this pompous voice it's just this arrogant saucy confident forest creature running around and uh, I did it on Roast Battle on season two on Comedy Central, and I showed it. To, AGT was looking for a roaster, and they came to Roast Battle and asked me and a few other people to submit jokes. And I showed them that and said, "I want to do it, but I want to do it like this." And, That's amazing. And they were all about it. Uh, I was like, if, I was like, if, I told them, I was like, if you want this to work, I think this is how it will work. It'll be silly. It'll be like a court jester, like running in. You know, but it was great when I went in for my audition for my actual I sent them a tape. And then when I went in for my actual audition for executive producers, I never broke character once. I went in there just like walking all extravagantly and kept up the voice the whole time. That's amazing. And I never broke once. And then I just it was just uh, it was so it was so fun. Did Uh, they get that that was a character or were they like, this is a person? Yeah, they had, they actually said like we 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 saw you on Jeff Ross's show, um, and we remember this. And I was like, oh, good, cool, you know, that's great. And, uh, you know, they they understood exactly what I was doing, and they also understood that like the jokes that I that I said were very like softball jokes in the end. And I think they just wanted somebody to kind of come in and just give the judges a little ribbing. Like I think somebody was upset with a judge somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like one of the producers like had some beef. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's just like, you know what? I'm really tired of Heidi Klum going up there every night. Somebody <laughs> did they? Did they actually have no idea that it was coming? They did not. No, that was a full-on secret between producers and myself. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, nobody knew what I was going to go out there and do, and it was. Uh, I mean, if if you ask anyone what happened in, in that room, it was. I died. I died out there like because the room was so against me i know it's so weird because objectively like you did well like people were like in the comedy scene were like really happy about it and like it was really cool and it was like amazing to go out there as a character and that's hilarious and that's such a um trolling hilarious thing to do but like how do you deal with actually the people thinking you're a real person and like actually kind of hating you I mean, dude, in the room, 
in the room, it was awful. I was there were th- almost three thousand people in there, and they were screaming at me the entire time I was on stage. Uh, uh, they were booing. They were they every time uh, no. joke, they would scream, so I couldn't be able to put it out, like get, like get the words out. They performing through it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do on stage. That's uh, and, honestly such a cool like it's terrible but that's such a like unique experience of like just being booed by three thousand people yeah and i just told myself i was like whatever you do don't break character and they can't hurt you in the edit like they if if i break like i've seen I, i watched a bunch of comedian clips from that show when i found out i was doing it and when you see a bad one they silence the crowd they insert cricket noises they make everything seem like it's the most awkward thing on the planet and that you're terrible at stand up right so yeah i myself if you don't break character there's nothing they can do because even if it goes super poorly i'll be like whatever i was just doing a dumb character yeah exactly that's good to have the character there i mean but the i mean that was fun why do you think uh, that reaction the i was kind of surprised by the crowd reaction what the hell Oh, dude, they love those judges. That is like a bunch of tourists that were promised a free T-shirt and that they get to see Howie Mandel from 400 feet away. Like, those people are obsessed with that show and those judges. So the second I started and they realized that I was not this positive, happy, you know, comedian, um, they just, they were just, they hated it. Wow. They, they didn't want anymore. They did not want to hear these jokes. And if it wasn't for Simon Cowell, nobody else would have heard them either. Wow. Uh, and um, it, was, it was really crazy. I was up there for almost seven minutes. Wow. That's I'm, insane. Yeah, it was. I mean, by the time I got off stage, I was exhausted. And I felt like I had been through just this crazy battle and... I, I just had so much negative energy in me that it just was like swirling around in there. And I like went and I, I found my girlfriend. Um, she had been in the audience and I was like, what did that look like on your end? And she was like any normal person's worst nightmare. Oh my God. Literally was like, someone's yeah. worst. That is truly someone's worst nightmare. Like, yeah, I was, you like, were... I was like, oh, so that, if that, that, okay, that's what it felt like on my end too. So <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Oh my God. It was like, you're getting sacrificed at a Coliseum. Yeah. It was just, that's essentially it. Like I just, you know, I went in there and I just, I just tried to torch that mother to the ground and they tried their best to not let me. And they like, the crowd was fire extinguishers and I was just a flamethrower and I just wouldn't go down. Wow. That, well, that's epic. That is the coolest. Like that, that's an impressive, like when, when you talk about like staying in the zone, that's impressive. Oh my God. Who like, if you can't, if you can do that, think about like, that must make you pretty resilient. Oh, for sure. I mean, there were, I can't imagine I'll ever do anything in my career again that make, that makes me as hated as that in that moment. Like, because I'm, that's not like the thing is, it is a character. Like I really am this positive goofball just trying to like instill joy everywhere I go, you know, like, and just drop little hints of silliness all over the world. And that's what I do. Like I'm a, I'm so loving. So for me to go out there and just, just do this character, it's so <laughs> fun for me and the people that don't get it, it's, 
it, they're so fun to play with because a lot of people do get it and people a lot of people people have responded so well to it and that makes me just so goddamn happy yeah you know i mean you know the character works it's just it's for the people that get it the people that don't get it just it's over their head yeah if i'm not if you watch that and go i hate this great you're not gonna like my comedy anyway you know, it's fine. You know, I'm not for you. But if you watch that and go, this guy is funny. Like I, whatever this is, I like it. Then you'll probably like what I do. So jump on board. That was, that's cool. Were the um, producers cracking up or were they like nervous or what? Yeah, no, I mean, they, uh, they, I think I, I think I exceeded their expectations of just how it was going to go. Um, that's what they and, wanted. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think they wanted, I think, I, I think, even they didn't know it was going to go that crazy though just the amount of vocalization from the audience and the aggressive behavior um i don't think any i, I predicted a lot of silence yeah you know? but to get like silence is a normal negative reaction but actual right. yelling and that's cr i can't imagine yeah it made it it's it turned because of the audience it turned the whole clip into something that became so much more than what it could have been oh yeah well so, that yeah was... and i give it up and i really give it up to america's got talent because they when they really they're very complimentary to me in the edit and in the way they released the clips and they uh they were really great to work with so i was pleasantly surprised at the whole experience that's cool that was just such a cool thing i saw um yeah, so I was also reading up in your bio that um, you have a cool show called Crave, and it seems like it's kind of like a variety show, like a comedy dance show, dance yeah, party. We have, yeah, we, it's inspired by all like the festivals I go to, and it is like it, so it starts with a, a themed comedy show where I essentially write a play around the stand-up com comedians where I just play different characters and a couple of them, I bring other friends in to like act in them and stuff and we tell a story throughout the stand-up show. All the stand-ups just do whatever they want, whatever they're going to do, their normal act. Uh, but we tell a story around them and then we just have DJs and artists and stuff like that and we play and we just, you know, just party it up all night. That's amazing. So what do you mean you have a story? Like, is it a sketch like running in between yeah, well, the stand-ups? We tell a story through sketches, essentially, yeah. I love uh, that. I used to run a show where we kind of did that. I, I, I love that format, and I just that just makes me really excited. Yeah, it just it gives me a chance to like just not do normal stand up and just to really think creatively and to go, well, what what do I want to play? What do I want to do? Um, you know, what message do I want to convey? And then it just like it, it allows me to write more and. Uh, it just overall it's very it's a really cool concept and it when it works really well it it's it's really beautiful to watch i love that out of the show um you would really like uh emmett montgomery in seattle i've he, heard that name before you would really like him because he seems very you guys seem very similar and in, in that like you're both like <clears throat> very like quirky and do really cool characters and do really cool variety shows um he does a show in seattle and you can hear i interviewed him in another episode but he has a show where uh, it's called like emmett's weird and awesome and he rents out this theater and he gets like he'll have a stand-up and he'll have maybe like an example he literally was uh 
I think the what is it called when you can marry? I don't know. Is um, he's legally allowed to marry people. So ordained minister. He is an ordained minister. I have one of those as well. So this guy and I have a lot more in common than you realize. Wow! And he married two people at his show. Um, yeah, and um, there's another example. He said uh, a son was in prison for a long time. I, I think this is. I might be botching it. And uh, he read the letters between like him and his mother that went like back and forth, uh, like him and his mom. And they read that like on stage, like stuff like that's like sentimental, like emotion evoking and like, uh, just like beautiful kind of stuff. Oh, I love that, man. So I feel like you guys, I don't know. You guys should like do something. I don't know, but you guys are really, Cool. You know, I'm both established and do similar whenever things. Whenever I find like-minded, awesome people, I'm never worried because I know our, we will see each other in the, you know, at some point. You know, if 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 he and I are that alike, our paths will definitely cross sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's so cool because yeah, just interviewing you, it's just a lot of cool stuff is coming out, and I'm just seeing a lot of similarities. Um, but yeah, so your show. Sorry, we can go back to that. Oh no, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, we do it. We do it at music festivals too, like small music festivals that don't have comedy. We curate a show like specifically for their crowds, and we'll do it out at like a, like small camping music festivals. Uh, we did it at uh, Desert Hearts the last couple of years, which is like this uh, five thousand person festival outside San Diego. Uh, we do this other one called Camp Trip, which is really small. That one's only like five hundred people in the Mojave, and that one is great. And that one is a uh, coming up september 28th through the 30th is the next one wait that's your comedy show and it has 500 people come out it's not just my show it's part of a festival my friends throw it it's called camp trip Uh, and we just do my show out there as part of the festival oh that's so cool what kind of festival is camp trip um it's like a small music festival i mean the production value is insanely high for what uh what they get uh for how many people it is but um you know, it's just there's music, there's art, there's uh, comedy, there's uh, community stuff. Like, I mean, you know, somebody's always teaching like a yoga class or a sound bath or something like that. Uh, just all kinds of just just a good weekend camping under the stars with a bunch of friends. Sweet. Um, yeah. How did you start that that show and how did you like build it to where it is now? How did it get from where you, when you started? It was really just like, I, I walked into an after hours uh, space, like a Burning Man warehouse basically. And I walked in there and they had this amazing stage. And I was like, whoa, like this is such a cool dance party. What if I threw a comedy show in here on that stage and then had this dance party? And it literally was just like, those are my two favorite things. So I might as well combine them and just throw a really good party. Um, Cause I've always loved throwing parties like since I was in college and um, that just started it, man. And then as it got, as it moved on, as it got more, uh, it, as it started to get gain traction and we got bigger names on it, then the Burning Man community really came to me and was like, you know, people in it were like, we don't want like, you know, they don't just want like a show and a dance party. They want an immersive experience. You know, they want to be, the, the burners are so good at like taking people out of reality and like putting them into another into another realm for a little bit so they were like try to find a way to combine everything you're doing into one whole experience and that's when you really have something that's you're not watching yeah you're not watching a show you're walking into another world 
I, that's just the coolest thing ever. That I, my dream is to make something like that. I'd love to do that. Yeah, man. I just I want to keep just doing it at a bigger scale. You know, I just I go to these festivals where I just I'm literally in fantasy land for uh, for a few days, and I want to I would love to you know build a fantasy land. <laughs> How do you like go to a warehouse and just put on a show there? How did that happen? Well, I mean, because they were already throwing shows there. They were already throwing, or throwing parties there anyway. So I just, you know, I knew a, I had a friend that knew the owner of the space, and I told him what I wanted to do, and they had never done comedy there, but he liked comedy. And he, he basically said, can you get me Reggie Watts? And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe. And he goes, okay, we'll do a comedy show here, but try <laughs> to get me Reggie Watts. And I was like, okay. And then on the third show, I got him Reggie Watts. Whoa. What? How? <laughs> He just a friend of a friend. I, I met I met him and told him about what it was and told him I think he'd really dig the vibe of it um, and the space and the people that go. And um, so he, he did it. And it was incredible. Wow, uh, that's so cool. Did you? Yeah. Have... From that point on, we hit the ground. We were just like, let's do this crazier did, and bigger. Did you have to like rent it out, though, or the owner helped you out? Yeah, we rented the space for like a small fee and we like sold the, you know, things at the bar and we did. The The show was semi-legal for a very long time. And when I say semi-legal, I mostly mean not legal. Um, it's just because we had like a private bar and like stuff like that, you know, that we were, you know, sometimes selling past 2 a.m. Yeah. Every, every time selling past 2 a.m. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we just, we were getting away with something for a long time. And now when we do it locally, at least the last two we've done have been at Union Nightclub uh, and it's totally legal. We go till four, but drinking, drinking stops at two. Okay, cool. And yeah, how do you go about building a world like an immersive experience for stand up? Um, how does that work? You come up with a story. You try to get as many people as you can to buy into it, so that people like are like uh, the people that come. A lot of times, um, people will dress in costumes related to the theme and things like that. We'll try to like have things incorporated into the show that make it easier. Um, we've had uh, interactive activities before um, that kind of add to it, but really any way that we can just go put you in a weird space and mess with the lights and just kind of just kind of make it so you don't have to look at your phone for a few hours you know so that everything is interesting enough that you are there with a bunch of really cool people just having a good time listening to great music watching good comedy sweet and um do you do like the things in between the stories is it like a lot of character based stuff yeah, I usually like pick a character that I want to play or like I come up with a story and then what would be the character within it. And then I just go towards that. Um, we always get we always get crazy. There always there's always like a big twist in them. And a, a lot of times uh, a lot of times I've ended up dead in the story there was a while there where I, like all my darkness would come out in a, <laughs> in a grave and so like literally it'd be this really like fun story and then all of a sudden like i would just be dead for some reason um i would like do this dramatic death on stage at the end and i got to the point where it's like i gotta stop killing myself we gotta stop doing all these post-apocalyptic graves um that's awesome yeah. what kind of uh characters do you do do you have a lot of characters i mean i just I wouldn't say I have a lot of characters, but I'm capable of playing a lot of characters. So anytime it's a new crave, like I think of what 
the person I want to be is. Um, like the last one, we were in virtual reality and we literally zapped, we were in these uh, full on white painter's suits and we just zapped ourselves into a virtual world that was the festival we were at. You know, um, so that wasn't like a crazy character. That was just me in virtual reality. But I have done, you know, a lot of things. Uh, one time I was a, a magician at a children's birthday party. And at the end, you found out he was actually an escaped uh, convict who was dressing up as a children's magician just so he could break into homes and steal all their things. Oh, that's great. Uh, that was a fun one. One time, uh, me and a, I, my time machine was broken, and the time machine repairman came to fix it, and we got lost in uh, the annals of time, like Bill and Ted style. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, there've been, there've been so, there've been so many. <laughs> uh, a tour guide trapped in a cave. Uh, just, just the most ridiculous things. That's so fun. Um, do you have a history in improv comedy? No, not at all. I just, uh, I've, I've never really taken improv or anything other than just like theater class games. Um, I just, I just, I just dig being goofy. I like putting on stupid costumes and just acting like an idiot and just running around and not having a care in the world. Um, it just takes, you know, everybody, it just makes me feel silly, which makes other people feel silly. And, and they realize that things aren't so serious. I'm like, that's why I wore a tail on America's Got Talent. I, w I was like, people will get it. It's a joke. That's... I'm, wearing, I, I'm wearing a fucking tail and a unitard. How can anyone take this seriously? I know. It's just so important to like be able to make people feel silly because no one feels like they can be. I do. Well, that's the thing. It's like everyone's, you know, you go to social media and everyone's angry at the world. And then everyone, and then I'm just like, I'm not here to be angry. I'm here to just go here, read this. And if you laugh, great. Just chuckle for a second. Wow. I love it. I love the message you have. It's really positive. Thanks, man. Took me a long time to get here, but it's better on this side. I tell people that that are, that are depressed. I'm like, just, if you ever make it over here, it's better. <laughs> I love it. So, um, I guess somehow my recorder survived. So, dude, we did great. We're, this, we're, this we're, awesome. we're at fifty-six minutes. We we killed it. Yeah, this is great, and I I really appreciate you doing the call and not knowing who I am, even though I just kind of like message you on Facebook. That's all it takes. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Other people, Alex Hooper is very easy to get a hold of. Message him on Facebook. Very easy, easily accessible. Message him. So, do or is there anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Um, just go to my website, uh, hoopercomedy.com. There, my album is on there. You can find that. It's called Hugs, Drugs, Pugs. Uh, my uh, there's a bunch of clips on there. There's a bunch of tour dates on there. Um, that's the easiest place to find me. And then, if you want to find me on social media, at Hooper Hair Puff. Sweet. Well, thanks, Hooper. I appreciate your time and doing this awesome. interview. Thank you, man. This was really fun. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, bros, one word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.